Pull up a chair, make yourselves comfy, and let's talk guitars. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Acoustic Guitar I.O. I'm Cam's your host, and today I'm going to be bringing you an interview with a good friend of mine called Andy Howell. It's interesting because I've known Andy for years. I've been speaking to him on various different forums over the years, probably going back to, I want to say 2000. Could be as early as that. However, I'd never met him, so it was nice finally to be able to sit down with him in real life and talk to him about guitars and about guitar forums and just have a great chat with him. So without any further ado, here is Andy Howell. Sitting here today in my comfortable hotel room in Halifax with Andy Howell on the Hi. spotlight. How my are cams, you, Andy? great. Thanks yeah. for joining me. I know you from the Acoustic Soundboard Forum. You're also active on some other internet places. Yeah, I, I mean, I first got involved in guitar forums back before the web in the days of uh, rec.music.makers.guitar.com. Acoustic, whatever you call that. Yeah, you know it well. Yeah. And um, I I found it amazing because you would, uh, you know, you'd suddenly find yourself chatting to some really brilliant guitar players in the States because they cottoned onto that system very early on to arrange bookings and Mm -hmm. deal with managers and stuff. That was quite good fun. And then I created uh, a UK.music.folk group for a while. And, uh, you know, suddenly I'd be chatting away to people like Dick Gocken as an old friend and huh. things. It was really quite interesting. So I think if you're interested in any kind of um, small, you know, minority interest, as it were, they're great things. I mean, oh. I, in another life completely, I do a lot of hill walking and I've got a, a mate who is a trained um, uh, audio engineer, BBC trained, and uh, he... He's been running, well, the tourists would be doing podcasts and stuff on the outdoors world for 12, 13 years or so. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's great. You so know, you're an early adopter of the podcast genre? I think so, because there's there's just so little that you can hear in the, in the, the mainstream broadcast. Well, a few years ago, Channel 4 launched the intention of creating a new radio station or two. And one of the things they were going to do was to pick up well-produced podcast material for national broadcasts but they ditched those plans and you can see why now i mean with uh, high-end audio but i mean the world of podcasts out there audio podcasts they're just fantastic you know otis gibbs is uh thanks for giving a damn have you come across that i haven't anybody listening to this go and search out otis gibbs they don't you don't uh, thanks for not giving a damn otis gibbs is a uh, Nashville-based songwriter, great guy, but he's produced this series of podcasts with musicians, 
and there's no music in them they're just people talking about stories about being on the road or their music or you know uh, there's a whole there's a whole series of somebody's talking about Elvis's first recording session wow. uh, and they're just absolutely fascinating you know you wouldn't get that anywhere else but of course people are doing it for the love of the genre or the love of the yeah. music or whatever and it's uh, just fabulous yeah wow. Otis Gibbs thanks for giving okay. it down check Thank that you. out he's got a YouTube channel as well he started so, doing some slightly weird stuff on that as well aye I wonder if I came across you then on the RMMG group. Uh, probably. I was a bit of a latecomer to that. I came into it when the Acoustic Magazine had a forum, the American Magazine. Yeah. That would have been about 2001, I think. There, uh, was, a, there was a period where they used to put out CDs. They used to invite people to send material in. And they put out an RMGG, whatever it is, yeah. CD. That was interesting. And... Uh, that kind of global thing, a guy, I posted a, an instrumental tune I'd written up there and somebody said, do you mind if I play that tune? And I said, no, it was in California somewhere and oh. uh, didn't think anything of it. And I recorded the tune again for the Santa Cruz Guitar Owners Forum about 10 years ago. And a woman emailed to say, I know that tune. There's a guy, this guy plays that. <laughs> I was like, wow, there you go, there you go, that's interesting. Wow. So, yeah, I think it, I think the internet stuff is really interesting as a way of learning all... I, I mean, I've been interested, for example, in a particular piece of kit the last few weeks. And uh, I know that Larry Pattis, the guitar yes. player in the States, has got, got it. So I've just had a long chat with Larry about it, you know, and uh, you you couldn't find that information out anywhere really? else really what is the bit of kit it's the tone dexter you seen is it that, oh no i'm thinking no i don't very know. clever piece of kit it's a it's um well very simply it's a, a a digital preamp and it has two modes it has a record mode so you plug your guitar into it and then a mic yeah and it takes a digi digital fingerprint of the pickup and the mic and then you take the mic away and when you put it in play mode just using your pickup it takes the um, digital fingerprint from the pickup and makes it sound more like the mic so very it's, very clever it's like what the fishman aura and the yes except you do it yourself you you create the recordings yourself yeah. but um i mean i guess digital technology is now getting to the point where it's really useful and really interesting. It's really come on and leaps really and bounds, come on. It? I mean, I know there are lots of people that say analog is better, but I just think that's nonsense, really. You know, if you want yeah. to get a nice warm sound yeah. to a digital recording, it's not hard to do, is it? Yeah. You know, just put a little bit of distortion in it and stuff like that. But it's um, digital technology is absolutely fabulous. Yeah. But, you know, and, it, and it's a great democratic force. But it's probably also why people are finding it much more difficult to make money now at anything. So, mm. you know, interesting. No, I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm a digital advocate. Yeah. I had a Mama Bear, a detail yeah, Mama yeah. Bear I used to use. And uh, now I'm going into a, a laptop when I play. Yeah. I use the Apollo UAD Twin. Yeah, a few people do that. Yeah. And yeah. It was Pierre Ben Suzanne. Yeah, I was about to say, he does that. it. I've seen it, yeah. I saw him use it, had a word with him. So, right, I'm going to get into that. And what a sound. It's yeah. just phenomenal what you can do with that. Yeah. And I've set it up with, I've got a loop pedal and I've got a microphone splitter. 
So I've got bits going everywhere. It's so complicated. I need. I, I'm in awe of that. You know, I look at your videos through. I, I mean, I, I I won't go anywhere near a loop machine because right. I can sense the notion of complete obsession. Just, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna, I've got a friend who uses one. She's she's very good at using it. There comes a point it leaves me cold though. But I mean, it's um, yeah. Uh, I guess you could play for hours and hours on with that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, you know. for me, it was a means to an end because I was made to go solo because I, my both bands yeah. split up last year and I wanted to keep playing but a lot of the stuff I did in the band obviously doesn't work solo and so the loop station have I you tried one of these vocal harmonisers yet? I haven't one of my friends has one yeah, she calls it the McLeod sisters her name's Heather McLeod yeah. and the, the harmonizer she calls them it's McLeod very sisters. interesting it's a bit weird the first time you hear them you go, Whoa, where's that saying but they're very very good now the TC Helicon is the one I played with Right. Um, yeah, it's very, very yeah. good. Very good. And you, you know, it's getting the point. So long, it's like all this technology. If you use it sparingly, it's very yeah, effective. Yeah, it's easy to overdo. Yeah, that. but you can, you can just have a vocal double, or you can use, you know, three or five part harmonies. Yeah, mm. very, 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 very good. Just subtle. You know, yeah. With a bit of restraint, and they work really well. Yeah. I'll probably stick with what I've got for now until I've got more of, more of a hang of it. Well, yeah, it does, it does get expensive stuff, doesn't it? it does, yeah. you know. It's not so much... Well, that is obviously a big factor, but also the amount of time it takes to set up when you're playing solo. Learn how to... And you turn up with the van load of gear, it's... it's and you've got to use it regularly because you just forget how to use it otherwise, you do. don't you? you, you know. Know. I mean, I've, I've got an old um, chorus pedal which I used to use about 15, 20 years ago. And occasionally I dig it out. But, you know, I have to remind myself how to use that. So, God knows, <laughs> I'll be getting on with something else. Uh, so, you you have a, a Lucas guitar. I do. You have a Santa Cruz. Yeah, and a Martin J40, Martin J40. which is an interesting instrument. I didn't realise until I bought it that Martin have a bit of a thing that each time a new member of the family takes over the running of the company which only happens every 40 or 50 years or so. Yeah. They introduce a new model. Oh. So this was Chris Martin's introduction. So it's a it's a, um, a quadruple O series guitar with a kind of dreadnought depth to it. Right. So it's a big sounding guitar, but it's... Um, so small body, but deep? Uh, no, quite a big body. Quite big. It's, it's bigger than an O at a triple O. So quadruple O, and it's... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's kind of not similar in similar in dimensions though not shaped to a J45 or something right. like that um, but it was a great guitar I used to use that for open tunings for years and years before they started becoming much more common and um, but uh, it was I don't know what was wrong when they built it but the quality control was terrible you just look at it and bits fall off it <laughs> you know, I know. A, so I retired that from the road about I don't know I retired that about I don't know, somewhere in the 90s, but um, still a cracking guitar. I took it out. My Lucas was having some work done on it a couple of years ago, and I, I, I took out the I took the old Martin out somewhere, and I was amazed at how good the pickup system sounded. Right. Yeah, so, right. yeah. Uh, so I've got the three, but really I only ever play the Lucas now. Right. I don't really go anywhere near the other two. So I occasionally pick up the OM for... Um, uh, 
a bit of ragtime or something like that. But yeah. no, I use my Lucas pretty extensively. I think they're fabulous guitars. I would, I yeah. would agree. I bought Absolutely one myself. Fabulous, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, 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 you got smitten, didn't you, when I you did. met it? I mean, yeah. I commissioned mine from him, and um, which is a very interesting experience commissioning a, a guitar for Maluthia, because the upside of it is you're probably going to get far better bang for your buck than you would do paying that cost yeah. commercially. But then, uh, I mean, I went over and Adrian said, look, bring bring your favourite guitar with you. So I took my Santa Cruz and we talked about what I didn't like about it, you know, so I wanted a fingerboard that was slightly wider and stuff like that. Yeah. And, um, and he heard me play. So I played on that guitar, the stuff I was going to play on the new Lucas, you know, and then you think, well, that's great. And you go home and just sit and wait for six months to, to turn up. <laughs> and then you start thinking, hang on a minute, what happens if I don't like it? Yeah, because you know my other guitars are both expensive guitars, but I spent the hours in the store playing them before I choose them. So you know, you turn up on the faithful day, and I just picked it up. And I think one of the skills of the luthier that you don't read much about is interpreting what people want, because the neck action and the width was just exactly what I wanted. You know? So it's just so comfortable for me to play that I just take it for everywhere now. I yeah. don't bother with anything else. So, you know, it, takes, it gets a bit thumped about, a bit on the road. But then again, you know, I'm not one for having guitars in cases. I don't yeah. I don't really do that. So, yeah, great. It's a great thing to do if you're... And I think if, um, particularly for younger players who are looking to get their first really good guitar and you're spending, you know, three grand on something, it's a lot of money, you know. Uh, it's worth having a look at the bespoke luthier market um, okay, maybe you won't have the same re resale value, but you'll yeah. get more bang for the buck that way. Uh, yeah, so but I'm glad I did it. Yeah. Without having had experience of different body shapes and woods and styles, it's difficult to pin down what would actually float your boat. Uh, I do think that, yeah, I think it gets easy. I mean, I wouldn't recommend that somebody goes and, well, if they, they want to, they can, but I think if you're going to spend a lot of money on a bespoke guitar, I think you need to know what you want. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah. need to know what musical genre you want it for, which body shapes you like. Uh, yeah, I think which you do need it. Gets, it gets, the more, the older you get and the more confident you are in terms of what you want, it, it's it's a lot easier to do. Yeah. 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 yeah you got to know what you want to get the stuff for. But it's a very interesting thing. And, it opens up this whole area of um, luthiers and, and European luthiers as well. I mean, I've been to the Berlin Holy Grail guitar show and I was just knocked out by the quality of instruments being made by young kids right across Europe. Yeah. You know, as good as the Americans yeah. any day of the week and uh, just some fantastic stuff. So there's some real talent out there. Even just in the UK, some of the guys yeah. that are here this weekend. Yeah, yeah, know. phenomenal, yeah. So uh, when I was in Berlin for the first time, I played um, a guitar that was sitting on a European, on a stand to do with sustainable woods or something. And um, it was like a J45 shaped guitar in lace wood, so it was a very white looking guitar. Mm -hmm. Just stunning. You had that Gibson, that Gibson thump. Um, 
but it had a little bit more top end. It was really great. And I said, who on earth made this? And they said, oh, he's not here at the moment. He's at, um, he's at college, Luthier College in Belgium. He's right. just finished. He hasn't finished yet. He's only halfway through the course. <laughs> it was just sublime. And you well, think, well, yeah, we've got some good. We've got some good talent coming on its way. Yeah. So, you know. When I, speaking of European luthiers, one of the guitars that I love the most is my Heiner Dreitz Center, which I bought when I met Heiner at a trade show mm. in Osnabrück. It was Peter Finger's Open Strings Festival, yeah. and this weekend is the first chance I've had to try another of Heiner's uh -huh. guitars. As another attendee has one with mm. him this weekend. But Heiner sadly passed away uh, last year. Yeah. So there will be no more. Oh, was that burnt? Yeah. Burnt? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's some fabulous. There's a woman in Austria, Christina Kobler, just makes absolutely stunning, stunning guitars. Uh, you know, the, the clarity of them is just phenomenal. So. Yeah, there's some great talent around. Indeed. And the great thing of something like this is you get to see stuff you wouldn't normally see. I yeah. Mean, you have to go and find a quiet space you can actually hear it because there's too many <laughs> guitars playing. But yeah, yeah, no, I, I love these things. You know, what do you do, people say? What are you going to do this weekend? Oh, you know, just hang around, play with yeah. guitars, you know. It's a bit like, you know, those guys who, baby boomers who... Uh, end up spending all that money on motorbikes you know Aye. it's just the same kind of thing isn't it really? that is yeah yeah, yeah. so and i love it too yeah so it's great it's great to do that and uh yeah great fun and the other the nice thing about this one i mean the rmg g one's a little bit more professional i think in the sense that they've got pa systems and stuff like that this one doesn't do that it's a little it's designed to be uh more encouraging to somebody starting out Mm -hmm. so uh, yeah you'll see some people tonight singing songs or playing live for the first time which is a great great thing I think yeah because you know, those of us have done it forever you know you kind of take the experience for granted don't right, you but right. you know when you when you play and you're terrified and you play something you play it for the first time <laughs> and then you, you finish and there's that little gap and then the applause comes in yeah it's the best feeling in the world yeah. I think I broke my performing cherry at the RMMG Did you? In, in Buxton, yeah. Because yeah, I always think of you as a very seasoned performer. You know? No, my first RMMG gathering, I think, was 2004. Yeah. Maybe five. Could even have been five. And George Duff, I don't know if you've ever come across George, yeah. another Scot. I played my piece and then George came up and handed me a glass of whiskey and it was the most enjoyable glass of scotch I ever had <laughs> you know what it's like when you've just finished a performance and oh, what, what yeah it's funny isn't it we've got this afternoon we've got this um, workshop on songwriting and that's a bit similar you know you, you write a song for the first time and you think yeah okay that's quite nice quite like that and you take you take it out to an audience and uh, there's one song I wrote a few years ago about Scottish Highlands, and I thought I really like that song. And I used to go out and play anywhere, and you know people come up to you afterwards and they say, "I like that song," or "I like that." And no one ever mentioned this song. And when I played it, it seemed to get a kind of muted response. So I just dropped it, you know, right. from the set. And then um, I played a local uh, festival, and the people that following me didn't turn up, so the guys just keep going. You know, so I did. So I thought, oh that song out so I yeah. dug it out again somebody in the first row said oh that's beautiful and that was enough oh. that song was then finished and accepted and it just <laughs> moves on so yeah. you know I think I think if, you, if you're if you a player 
I mean, it's not necessary for everybody, but I think that communication between you and an audience is part of the dynamic, isn't it? And it's I would totally certainly if you're a songwriter, you, know, you want to get the stuff out there. But for anybody, I think if you're performing in front of an audience, it's a. I mean, it is terrifying, but it's very gratifying at the end yeah. of the day, isn't it? I find myself on the way to a gig saying to myself, "Why do I keep doing this?" And then on the way home, I think, "Yeah, that's why." Yeah, I, I mean, and some places I, I did a, there's a, there's a pub near me in the centre of Birmingham, which is quite close to the Com international convention centre there. So when there's a big convention centre on, it tends to get very busy. And I was there one night, and uh, this bar just filled up with people who were, you know, just kind of intent on getting completely wrecked, basically. Right. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a dreadful night. And you, you know, you, or you were standing at the microphone all you can hear is the audience chat coming back and all that stuff <laughs> you struggle through the first song and then they'll stop and they loved it you know suddenly, and yeah. suddenly it became a great night you just can't predict what's going to no. happen no I had that experience two weeks ago when yeah. I went into a bar and there was a hen night and, yeah. and oh my god the racket was unbelievable <laughs> and I just played for myself and yeah. then at the end I got some amazing feedback from some of yeah people. it's funny how it happens isn't it yeah. that, that, but uh, that dynamic with an audience is part of part of being a musician, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I know a lot of people, particularly, I mean, a lot of people pick up guitar playing again when they retire or they early retire. And I, I always say to them, look, go and just try an open mic because everybody there wants you to succeed. You know, yeah. people are very kind and they're very enthusiastic. And, you know, I've met a few people recently who've done that and have just, regularly just gone out on the circuit now yeah. which is great I think can you remember your first performance oh first performances yeah yeah I have some interesting ones over the years <laughs> I was in a trio for a while it's going back quite a way with a mate and his girlfriend and she she got a lovely little lovely voice wasn't that strong but it's very pure she got a really nice voice but she had all kinds of problems through stress and uh, uh turned out to be mental illness in the end and we went and did our first gig at the Warwick Folk Club and it was we went down a storm it was great oh. and then every gig we did after that got a bit worse <laughs> it was really funny <laughs> so we just had to become a duo in the end so you know you just uh, yeah I mean I, I don't know and I have I have I have gaps from doing it as well uh, I used to I, I ran a club for quite a long time alright and uh, just got tired. I mean, there were two of us did it, and then one dropped out, and I kept doing it each week and lugging the PA around and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I just had to stop. But the thing that makes the thing that's really different now is the smoking ban in pubs. Uh -huh. right. You know, I mean, I, if you remember what it was like, I do. You know, I could only do really one night a week doing that, and it was just you know everything reeked of tobacco. Yeah. Uh, and you didn't want to be in that environment too much. Whereas now, with, with smoke-free pubs, you know, a lot of the youngsters I know today that are out, are out three or four nights a week playing, and it was never really an option when we were younger because of that, I think. It was yeah. just a very unpleasant environment to be in. So the whole scene has changed, the whole context has changed, which mm. is good. Uh, yeah, I, can't, I mean, early gigs, yeah, I can remember being terrified. I... I've got a better memory now of some of the most weird gigs I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> As you do. But, uh, yeah. 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 So you've, got, so you've got into it really recently, but 
found yourself into it, haven't you? Well, the last 10 years, probably, no, maybe 15 years, I would say. We moved to Aaron in 2008 and hit the ground running. Really. Okay. I'd been playing in Luxembourg, that was where I used to go out to open mics. Yeah. And there was a little Irish pub down in the, the lower part of the city where I made some great friends and had yeah. a great time. And that's really where I started to to get comfortable doing it. And when I moved to Aaron, I'd been playing bluegrass music and I met a fiddle player there who yeah. had played bluegrass music and then kind of moved away yeah. into the Scottish yeah. and Irish stuff. So when I came along looking for a bluegrass fiddler, he just jumped at it. He was all over it. And yeah. I mean, I like that crossover between the traditions. Yeah. Because, of course, you know, much of bluegrass came from Scotland in the first oh, place. Oh, you can anyway. definitely hear the influence. And I was, I th- yeah. I was um, in the Highlands. you ever been to the Noidart? Which is no. a kind of I know where it is. But yeah, uh, I mean it's like an art. It's a it's a peninsula really, but you there, there are no roads in. You've either yeah. got to walk in or go by boat. Come oh, by yeah. boats from Melek, and um, there's a pub there which is supposed to be the most isolated pub in Britain. Yeah, which is great. Uh, and I was there. I don't know a few years ago, one summer, and um, these two young Canadian musicians turned up. And they they just come along. They come, wanted to come to Scotland because of the Scottish tradition and heritage. And they'd heard about this place, and they come over, and they said to me, "Yeah, we, we're just hoping to find some music. Do you know yeah. about it?" And I said, "Well, not really. I've been hiking in the mountains for a week and just yeah. finished." So I agreed to meet them that evening in this pub, and suddenly it filled up with locals. It was just absolutely wonderful, you know. Yeah. But you, I love that idea of the stuff that moves you know from Scotland Ireland over to the sea and then comes back again I yeah. think that's really fascinating uh, yeah, traditional well. music thing you know of course you get the Celtic Connections Festival which seems to be yeah I've never bigger. been to that it's one of my ambitions every year I think I'm going to go and, you know because there's not much else to do at that January, January is there really yeah. so I just think yeah that just looks the most wonderful thing to do but I've never done it so that's something else to think yeah. about at some point I usually get to one or two there's, there's always a whole list of things I would love to go to. But yeah, yeah. For me, it's an overnight stay from the island. Oh, well, it would be for you as well. Yeah, yeah. I love Glasgow, <coughs> actually. It's uh, one of my favourite places. Uh, I think I prefer it to Edinburgh, if I'm honest. It's just such a funny place. The Glasgow regions are just so funny. I mean, in that in the nicest way. You know, yeah. Just, you know, hospitable and funny and, you know, you know. Yeah. It's a great place for music. There's yeah. It's uh, great gigs all the time in Glasgow. Uh, of course, now they've got the, the Conservatoire. used to be the Royal Academy of Music and Dance, rebranded into the RCS. And the Conservatoires these days, they, they encourage the kids from day one, don't they, mm. to go out and play different forms, to busk and play outside. Yeah. Well, there's a whole, a whole raft of young musicians coming yeah. up, taking the traditional music and making it their own in, in really interesting ways. Yeah. I think the uh, the Sage in Newcastle is interesting because it's got that connection with the uh, the courses the university now do around traditional music. And some of the quality of the musicianship that's coming out of that is just absolutely stunning. You mm. know, you think, yeah, it's traditional music, but the chord, all the diminished chords and everything are just just almost jazzy it's wonderful yeah yeah I think we live in a great age of uh, music actually yeah I think so too have mm. you got any kids 
Yeah, I've got one. Any musicians? No. He, well, he was when he was little, he played the piano quite a lot. And uh, I actually I actually get, named him for being a musician. His first name is Kieran. But I gave him a second name, Jonathan. I thought his initials, KJ, would sound good. I oh. thought, that sound good if you're a blues player. <laughs> and oh. then when I went to... I mean, people have never forgiven me for this, but when he was... When I went to register birth... I mean, my one of my all-time heroes is a guitar player from the Bahamas, Joseph Spence, right. who uh, yeah, he's a bit he's a bit of a rare find, uh, and he didn't really sing. He kind of growled over this, but the music is incredibly joyous. So at the very last minute, when I was registering his birth, I put Spencer in as a middle name, you know. And every now and then people say, Who's this bloke Spencer? Do you play them the music? And they're just silent. You know, what? <laughs> yeah, so I gave my son, this is probably why he doesn't play music. No? I gave He's him a name just because I thought it would look good as a blues player. You know? uh-huh. KJ Howell, I thought that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now my daughter's 12 and she plays fiddle, French horn. And my son is 10. He's just started. No, hang on. My daughter's 14. My son is 12. I mean, is that easier because of the Aaron environment? You know, they're kind the, of slightly smaller. There's a strong musical community. There's yeah. a fiddle club, which my daughter was part of from a very young age yeah. and still is. It's, it's a really great club. There's a folk club. The high school is actually very good yeah. with uh, the brass, particularly. I think that makes a big difference. I, I've, I've met a guy in Birmingham recently last couple of years and I meet him at open mics he's a really nice bloke and he turns up with a 12 string guitar and uh, he um, he he has hundreds he just knows loads and loads of covers and he just plays them and people sing along and it's it's okay I was chatting to him one day six months ago and he said well the thing is he said my main instrument is the fiddle he said I used to play in folk rock bands and stuff he said but I haven't done that for ages and then one day he said to me what are you doing on Tuesday night I said well, he said he said I've just bought a new bazooki he said I'm going down to an open mic he said but I'd love to do some instrumental stuff he said you can just busk it and uh, yeah it's quite interesting I've, I've <laughs> then got him to get his fiddle out and um, I, I'd written a couple of songs which I thought might be nice for the fiddle so I said would you fancy putting these down putting something down as a recording and he said yeah I'll have a go so he came out and it was really quite nice so we've done a few gigs together now nice and, uh, yeah but uh, it's it's much more difficult in a big city like Birmingham because there isn't that tradition of it all the time so right. now I find this guy happily retired great fiddle player yeah. but no one to play to <laughs> it's a real shame really yeah, it's so. a good find for you yeah mm. what sort of stuff then do you play when you're sitting at home Oh, my musical journey has been... I I think my ultimate music is probably uh, the country blues of the 20s and 30s. Mississippi, John Hartley. I don't... Yeah, Blind Blake. Blind Blake. Blind Boy, full of all those people. Um, Blind Willie McTell. There's a great biography of Blind Willie McTell. You into that stuff. There's only one. It's just absolutely fabulous. So, I, yeah, I, I really connect with that stuff. Like a lot of people do, it's fascinating, isn't it? This connection with these, you know, guys from the 30s who were born in abject poverty. There's something about it that just yeah. kind of, you know... Anyway, I think that was 
started from and then f- floated out into lots and lots of stuff so I don't know I, I like acoustic music I like songwriters I mean who am I listening to a lot at the moment Steve Tilston oh yeah um, Nashville based songwriter Darrell Scott who's just phenomenal wonderful wonderful musician he, he was in um, Robert Plant's band for a while when they were doing the Americana type stuff is that the sensational yeah, yeah, he's he's he's. Is a, that the guy with the big beard? Yeah, Dal Scott. Right, I know. Yeah. Looking, I tell, well, some of us were talking last night about music. And we decided when we get back, we're going to do a thread and we're going to just put links to all the people right. we talked about. Dal Scott is just one of the most phenomenal songwriters, and he's not really a country musician. Um, you know, he's, he's a singer songwriter. Some of it's a bit bluesy. Some of it's a bit country. He's a phenomenal musician, Tim O'Brien, who's does oh, a yeah. lot. Of, yeah. They they play a lot together. I I love all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Do you ever listen to Brian Sutton? A little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's amazing how it, even people like Ryan Adams, you know, it, it kind Aye. of there's something in there, you know, that fusing together the rock and the kind of traditional acoustic music yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, I like it very much, and I still, if I get a chance, I'm I'm not particularly authoritative on it, but I still dig out um, traditional singers, and I find if I'm looking for a tune just to arrange for fingerstyle guitar, you know, go back to Annie Briggs or mm. you know a June Tabor album or something like that, you know, and those people have got great taste, you know, and they find these wonderful tunes. So I, I still listen to quite a lot of that stuff when I go to chance, but I have to listen to it on my own at home because nobody yeah. else likes it. it was <laughs> yeah. A great night in for me just sitting there listening to this stuff. Yeah, great. Yeah. yeah. So. And the other thing these days, of course, is YouTube. Oh, YouTube is huge. God, important. what an absolute resource that is! Yeah. You know, there are obscure blues banjo players, and and I mean banjo was the original blues instrument. For I mean. These there's footage of these guys playing from mm. the thirties and stuff like that. You know, when we were kids, we never had that. No. You can actually dig that out now. It's a wonderful resource. Yeah, and for learning as well. You can. Mm. Yeah, yeah. My favourite night in on my own actually is to just sit there with YouTube, put the signal to the stereo system, and just sit there and f- sometimes just let them. F- recommend the links and yeah, recommendations you, can, you just you can fall into a hole you can do, yeah you can but you can discover some interesting people oh that God, way. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah so I've just been doing that recently with Paul Simon for some reason just reminding myself what a phenomenal musician he was is mm-hmm. you know so. yeah yeah great well Thank you for sitting No, there. it's been Thank great talking to you. It's great meeting you after it's all these years. Yeah, yeah so I feel, I feel we know each other quite yeah. well, but yeah. Yeah. that's the interesting thing about the internet. And we share a, a Lucas and a Santa Cruz. Yeah, there you go. Of those two. Yeah. Great but stuff. Great to meet you. Thank you, yep. Andy. Lovely. And let's go. Eat some food and play some music. Yeah. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Andy. It was a real pleasure to be able to sit down with him and talk face to face. And I'm very grateful to you, Andy, for for agreeing to sit down with me and have a wee blather. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends. I would love you to, to get this show out there and have more ears listening to it. I really do enjoy bringing this to you. 
and it would mean the world to me if you would just share this amongst your friends and let people know that this podcast is out there for them to listen to. If you have some time and you're able to pop into iTunes, I would really appreciate that. You can give me a nice review in there. That does help. Or so all the other podcast hosts that I listen to continuously say on their shows. So I'm going to say it on mine. I'm also publishing on Instagram and Facebook. So you'll find me on those platforms at AcousticGuitar.io. And I'm also posting on the Steam blockchain at AcousticGuitar. So that's steamit.com. S-T-E-E-M-I-T dot com slash at Acoustic Guitar. If you'd like to be on the show or you have any ideas for anybody that you would like to hear, please get in touch. You can email me on cams, that's C-A-M-S, at AcousticGuitar.io or you can catch me on any of the, the social media platforms. I didn't mention Twitter, I'm also there of course, so you'll find me there with the Twitter name AcousticGIO. Thanks very much for listening, and I hope to catch you again sometime very soon. Bye for now.